Welcome to the Community Church Podcast, your place to belong. Thanks for taking the time to tune into this week's message. I hope that it blesses and encourages you. verse out of uh, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, as we continue on our series uh, on Battleground. I trust you enjoyed uh, having Pastor Megan speak last week, and of course, Pastor Jonathan. Uh, we're blessed with incredible staff, uh, and I'm looking forward to Spark in, this, in the fall here for, uh, for them as far as a, a new twist on what we've been doing in the way of kids ministry and junior high throughout the week. But uh, I want to pick up on Battleground, uh, and this is the sixth part of this series um, and uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, Paul reminds us that in the midst of the attack, the midst of the battle that the enemy will bring your way in order to stand your ground, God has given us armor, and he begins to talk about in verse 17 another piece, a couple of pieces of, uh, of armor that are kind of connected, and we won't hit both today, but we'll hit the first one. But let me read the full verse here. It says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. You know, when I think about helmets, I'm often reminded about when Madison was a little girl. And uh, Madison, I don't know if you've ever had one of those kids that's like a, like, it's, it's, it's like they're a quiet walker. Like, you don't know that they're there. Like, you know, I, like she had the kind of skill set that she could probably rob banks and nobody would know she was there kind of a thing. Like, like I'd be walking and all of a sudden she's there. Like, whoa, where'd you come from? You know, I would never hear her coming. And so I can't tell you how many times, though, that we'd be going somewhere and, I'm, and, and I would open the car door. And I can't tell you how many times I smoked her in the head. I got two awes. Are you kidding me, man? Like... And, and Madison, you got to know Madison's personality, too, when she was a little kid, man. I was joking on Thursday night, like, Madison was like the dream kid, man. She slept through the night. Uh, she didn't uh, fuss a lot. She didn't get cranky. We could take her anywhere. She didn't, and, man, we were like, sweet, man. We'll have another one. And then the second one came, and that was it, man. That was, and then we thought, we'll try a third and see if it changes. That was even bigger, you know, that, was, that, that just went worse, you know, like it just went sideways right now. I'm just kidding. I love my kids. But Madison was, was, was golden. So when I would smoke her in the head with the car, of course, I'm horrified and I'm feeling bad. I can laugh about it now because she's alive and she's good. But, you know, back then I felt horrible and she'd just bounce off the door or the, you know, the car and she's like, hey, dad, you know, like, you know, and she's like, whatever, right? And I would go in the house. I'm like, Cora, we need to buy this girl a helmet. Right? Because you know what kind of damage I'm going to do by the time she's three years old? Like, this is crazy. Like, she's right there, boom, you know? And, and it didn't matter if it was the car door, you know, uh, putting something away, a bedroom door, Madison be right there, you know, kind of a thing, right? Do you know, if you've ever been around somebody who understands what, you know, in the real sense, what brain damage can do, you know, it's, you understand why people you know, wear helmets, whether it's biking or, you know, motorcycle riding or whatever it is. I mean, with our kids, it's like instant, make sure you put on your helmet because, you know, we want them to be protected in the event that they fall, in the event that they face something that is beyond their control. And the same thing in the spirit. The same thing in the spirit. If I'm going to be honest with you today, I honestly, I really believe that one of the greatest playgrounds the enemy has or, or his favorite place to, to battle you is in your mind. 
It's in the place of, of decision making. It's your thoughts, my thoughts. It's, you know, it's, it's when you're trying to figure out some things and he comes along and, and he whispers. And I, I love, you know, uh, what Joyce Myers uh, wrote in her book called The Battlefield of the Mind. You know, she said this. She said, Satan knows that if he can defeat us in our minds, he can defeat us in our experience. Satan knows that if he can defeat, uh, defeat us in our, in our mind by meaning like, get us to question. Because listen, when you question something, you become skeptical, you become hesitant. Am I right? Right? Like when somebody's trying to sell you something and you're not sure what you're being told is exactly the truth, you get a little hesitant. You're not sure you're going to do it. You know, yesterday I went to Walmart to buy a bike and I've done the warranty thing through Walmart. And I looked at the girl and I said, now listen, this warranty is great and everything, but and it's, it doesn't cost me a lot, but am I going to have to go back to the company or do I have to come back to you? And she's like, well, I'm not quite sure. And I'm like, uh, you know, what do you do? And I'm like, it's, you know, it's Abby and it's a bike and, you know, she could, you know, do something to it. And so, ah, you know, I'm just going to take the chip. But I was, I was hesitant. It took me about, you know, a minute to decide whether or not I was really going to do this. When we're skeptical about something, when we doubt something, when we have questions about something or we wonder about something, we tend to hold back, which I'll get to in a second as far as how damaging that can be in the life of faith. But Joyce Myers also says in her book, the reason why she says that is because the mind is the leader or the forerunner of all of our actions. What you think will determine what you do. Uh, it reminds me of uh, years ago when uh, we were doing the whole obedience training thing with Mika. And, uh, you know, for the most part, you know, she did really well. But the one area that she wasn't so good in the way of obedience is when I would walk her, she would pull me instead of walk beside me. And anybody that has dogs know that the proper thing is that your dog should never walk, you know, uh, in front of you, your dog should walk beside you always, right? And you do the whole treat, you know, hand down, you know, like kind of a thing. And, you know, I don't know, Wendy, maybe you do that with your cats, you know, kind of like <laughs> just put little treats down and they walk along with you or whatever. Um, but I always bug Wendy about her cats. But anyways, and her cats absolutely love me, actually. It's really funny. But um, so so Mika would, would like just pull. And when she pulls, like for a small dog, man, she had a lot of strength. Right? Holly, I don't know if you guys are experiencing that right now with your new, you know, dog and, and your kids are just elated. She's pretty good, right? But, man, my dog likes to pull. And she's strong. And she's got a nose to the ground. She smells something and she's pulling you. And, I, and when the girls were, when we, had, when we first got Mika, I wouldn't let the girls walk her because she would, she'd be yanking them around the street, basically. So I said to the trainer, I said, look, I, I don't know what else to do because I've, I've tried the treat thing. She loves treats, but I give her the treat, and she's like, thanks. And then she walks ahead, and she's, and she's pulling me, and I get the whole leader of the pack thing. And uh, so anyway, she's, she's doing all this. Don't worry about it. The building's not falling down. It's just our junior highs. It's all good. So, But hey, I'm glad to hear that kind of noise. You know what I'm talking about? And if you don't like the noise of guys that are sitting in the gym, come to church early and get a spot up front. But anyways, uh, so... You know that I love you. Don't take offense to it. It's all good. Um, so I said to the bean trader, I said, what do I do? And she's like, well, here's, here's the deal. She said, you should get what's called a gentle lead. And a gentle lead is this harness. It's not huge. It's just a little, just a couple of straps that go over her mouth and over her head. 
And, you know, it doesn't keep her from opening her mouth or barking or anything like that. It just gives, it just gives her strength because here's the thing. If you control the head, you control the body. And so I, I went and bought one of these things, and I put it on her, and I'm like, oh, this is so good. Now I'm going to tell you, she still tries to pull. But all I got to do is just one slight little tug, and her head goes like this, and she backs up. She backs up because she knows. In fact, you watch her when we walk her. She'll get a little far ahead of me, and then all of a sudden she'll stop, and she'll turn, and she'll look at me, and she will circle back to where she's supposed to be because she knows I'm going to pull. Because when you control the head, you control the body. And the thing is, is that the enemy knows that. The enemy knows that if he can sow seeds of doubt inside your mind about the things of God, like especially in the moments of your waiting, you know, when you're waiting for something, or, you know, it hasn't happened yet, you know, and, 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 and it's been a long time, but, you're, but, it, uh, but it already feels impossible to begin with, but, but, you know, you still believe that God could do this. And you're like, I don't understand it. Or sometimes you come across something in scripture and you're like, I don't get this. I mean, I've had that. I don't know if you've had that. I've had that. I've had those moments a lot. I'd read something. I'm going, God, I don't totally understand it. I don't totally grasp it. And the enemy comes along and says, well, if you don't understand it, you don't grasp it, then why do you believe it? You ever had those kind of moments? I have. I remember years ago when I was a student, as a teenager, and uh, I knew the call of God in my life, but there were some things in my life that I wasn't proud of. Things that I was absolutely ashamed of, and, and uh, you know, I just, I wrestled with it. And, and for years, even though I knew the call of God, I was thinking about this again last night. I started doing the, you know, the, the timeline, and I realized for almost eight years, even though I knew what the Word of God said, I wrestled whether or not I was really forgiven. Anybody ever feel that before? Don't raise a hand, just, you know. Like, am I worthy of God's salvation? Like, you know, God, are you, like, am I worthy of, you know, your love? Do, am, I, am I really valued? Am I, you know, am I broken? You know, am I, uh, you know, spoiled goods? You know, all that kind of stuff. And, and the forgiveness thing was really at the core of it. Man, I'm like, God, I don't understand. And so, like, every single night I would go to bed and I'm like, God, I'm asking for your forgiveness, even though I know what the Word of God says. You ask for forgiveness, it's there. You repent, it's done. You know, it's not like these 10 steps and you got to do this. And, you know, when you get to step five, then this triggers and then step eight triggers this. And no, the scripture is really clear that when you ask for forgiveness or when you repent of your sins, it's done right there. Done. It's over. It's gone into the sea of forgetfulness. The, the blood of Jesus has covered over that. It's paid for that. You're redeemed. You're rescued. You're freed from that. Now the Holy Spirit comes and begins to work out your salvation by, you know, working through the issues that, whether it's temptation or it's a stronghold or whatever it might be, and, and there might be still some moments of slip-up and whatever, but that's, that's not salvation. That's working out your salvation. And I remember the night that it finally got through. God had to use somebody else to speak a word over me that blew my mind. I had never told anybody, including Cora. And we were engaged to be married. We were a few months away from actually our wedding. And we were a part of a church that had a, and I've shared this story before, where we brought in these 
you know, special speakers who moved in the gifts of the Spirit, and they didn't know me. They just knew my name. That's all. They, they knew my name, and they knew what I did. I was the volunteer youth pastor at the time at the church. I was, I'd finished Bible college. Cora was just finishing up, and uh, we were a few months away from the wedding, and uh, they invited both of us to have a time where they would just sit us at the front, and these guys would just begin to share what God's put on their heart for us. And, and you know, it's really cool, just so you know, these guys would start, and they would start saying things uh, uh, that, that really describe our character and nature just to kind of say, hey, listen, I'm, I know things about you, but only because God has shown it to me. And it's a really, it's a very, very cool experience and very real, where this is the gifts of the Spirit that are mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, so anyways, he's going on, he's describing a bunch of things, and, and then all of a sudden he stops and he says, Craig, God wants me to tell you. Now remember, I haven't told anybody. This is a private, because I was embarrassed. I'm a volunteer youth pastor. I've grown up in the church. I've been a youth leader for a lot of years beyond that, and I'm still wrestling whether or not I'm forgiven. And all of a sudden, he looks at me, he says, the Lord wanted me to give you this word. The enemy has come to accuse you. And God wants you to know that there is absolutely nothing written against your name in his eyes. The slate is clean. And I sat there, and of course, everybody else in the room has no idea what he's talking about, but it broke over me in that moment, and I don't know if it's because I was so stubborn and I didn't hear God or whatever, which is probably the case. You know, like, a lot of us can be stubborn about hearing the things of God because, you know, sometimes God just has to use somebody else to get our attention, and something changed. And you know what? That moment broke my, you know, in my, it broke into my life and to the point where I no longer even wonder about that. I don't think about that. I can look back at those scenarios and the situations that I found myself that I'm not so proud in and go, yes, it happened. I'm not proud of it, but I don't feel the guilt. I don't feel the condemnation. I know that I'm forgiven. Man, what a release when I can get past what I'm thinking. I knew in my heart I was forgiven, but my mind couldn't comprehend it. And that's what the enemy does. He goes, if I can stop you here, you're going to have a hard time here. That he knows that if he, can, if he can sow the seed of doubt, if he can go, and for me it was for eight years, maybe you're here today, and you've struggled with the truth that you see in the word of God, but you can't understand why it's not you know, reality inside your life, and I can't necessarily answer this. All I can tell you today is that the enemy is going to play on that every single day of your life. And he doesn't want you to see the freedom that has come through Jesus. That there's an incredible release. But you need to hear something today, that, that those doubts and the wonders, the questions, all of those kinds of things, the truth is, here's where the damage is. The damage, because just like Joyce Meyer says, that when Satan knows, he knows that if he can get control of your mind, if he can challenge in your mind, then he can defeat you in your experience. Because the truth is, you'll want to give up. The truth is, you will struggle. Because, man, it, all the enemy has to do is wait us out and just whisper in our ears. I was thinking about that this yesterday. Again, as I was looking over my notes, I started rewriting stuff and changing things around. And 
The damage that it can do when it comes to your personal walk with God, my personal walk with God, and what I do in Christ. I'm afraid to take steps of faith because I'm not certain, even though we know from the book of uh, Hebrews that faith is something that you don't necessarily, you, you hope in, but you don't see it. You're certain of it, but you can't grasp it. That's faith. And Paul says, listen, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, God has given you something that when you truly understand it, when you and I truly grasp it, when, when we understand its power, its benefits, its ability to reach into our lives, what it truly means, he said it's going to protect you like a helmet. A helmet in, 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 uh, in this language, again, we all know, we think bike helmets, that kind of a thing, but in military sense, you know, it didn't just protect your head, it didn't just cover your head, but, but it came down and it went, you know, over your cheeks and it covered the back of your neck, it actually went all the way down towards your shoulders, like it gave you the ultimate protection. And, and not only that, not only does a helmet give you protection, but, but man, listen, when you put on a helmet, there's a little bit of confidence that all of a sudden rises up inside of you because you know that even though you might experience something, you're still protected, so it secures you, and you're not as worried. And because you're not as worried, you're not afraid to take those steps. Because you got a helmet on. I'm protected. I'm okay. And that very thing that, that Paul says that God has given to you in the way of a helmet is the word salvation. Your ability and my ability to grasp what salvation means makes the biggest difference because it's the most foundational piece beyond even truth because it's an action that only God can do something that you only receive. It's not built on your ability other than the fact that you receive it. That's the only thing that you can do. It is freely given to you. You, you believe by faith, but it's given to you by grace. It is the very thing that has, has rescued you from destruction, eternity without God. It is the very thing that has freed you from not only your sin, but the guilt of your sin, the condemnation that comes with your sin. Because listen, that's not what God, listen, anytime you feel guilty, that's not coming from God. There's a big difference between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation makes you feel like you're worthless. Conviction just inspires you to repent before the Lord because you know that the God that's calling you to repentance absolutely 150% loves you beyond a degree that you can't even understand or even comprehend. That you and I are free from our sins, that he has restored us. He has redeemed us, meaning he has bought us with a price. He laid down his own life, which reveals to you the power of the value that God has placed on side of your life. And, and on top of that, not just the value, but the immense love and all of the promises that come through that relationship because of salvation. But here's one of the greatest things. The, one of the greatest things about salvation is that it constantly reminds us of victory. In fact, when you study this, this is kind of the idea that Paul was trying to get across. That when you put on the helmet that's been given to you, what's interesting about this passage is that this particular piece of armor and the sword of the Spirit is not something that you took, picked up on your own and put it on. It was actually handed to you. It was handed to you. It's not built on your ability, but it's built on God's choices. 
And it's built on his ability and his actions. And where the enemy would try to, you know, point out what you've done. If you notice that the enemy doesn't necessarily point to what God hasn't done as much as he points to what you haven't done or what I haven't done. And we feel, guilt, we feel guilty for our actions or our misunderstanding or we feel like, man, I lack faith. Maybe God didn't do this because I lack faith. You know how the enemy just comes along and whispers those things? You know why? Because when the enemy wants to point to you, because he knows you're imperfect. He knows there's always going to be an element that you're going to doubt. But where the enemy wants to focus in on you, God wants you to remember the cross. He wants you to remember salvation. He wants you to remember that that very act and that very moment. I love Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 to 15. Listen to this. I love how, you know, uh, the, the writer just describes this moment around the cross. He says this, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive in Christ. Not in your ability. Not, in fact, listen, not even in your choice. Because even before you and I made a choice to love God, be devoted to God, the Bible says that even while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. He still took the step anyways. He loved you so much, he wasn't waiting for you to take your step. He took his step first. Somebody needs to hear that today. You need to know that you're valued because the enemy's come along, and even though you know the Bible says it, you don't think it. You're wondering, man, why don't I think it? Why don't I feel it? Because he wants you to stumble in this moment. And God says, I want you to remember the cross. I want you to remember that in that very moment, I made you alive with Christ. I forgave all of our, your sins, having canceled the charge of legal indebtedness. We were in debt to God, not to the enemy, to God. Because sin separates us from God. He said, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away. Nailing it to the cross. And I love this part. This is my favorite part. It's like watching a movie. And you know how you get a movie that you love watching over and over and over and over again? It doesn't matter how many times you watch it. I've told you guys that one of my favorites, Gladiator. It doesn't matter how many times it comes on. I got to watch Gladiator, especially one of those last scenes, you know. And, and just, man, just I love everything about that movie. I love this part. I could read this over and over and over and over again. And he said, and at the same time, having disarmed the powers and the authorities, who were probably in the background cheering because they thought, we did it. We defeated God. He made a public spectacle. He embarrassed the enemy. He set the enemy up. He said, I made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Listen, no matter what you doubt, no matter what you struggle with, when the whispers of the enemy come, God wants you to put on the salvation that he's given you. He wants you to remember, because listen to me, no matter what you face, no matter what's going on in life, listen to this. I've said this so many times. The scripture is clear. This is not our home. 
and everything that God is maneuvering, even though at the same time it blesses us, takes care of us, satisfies us, gives us purpose, he fulfills his promises, you and I need to remember ultimately there's one goal and one goal only. He's doing everything just to get you across the finish line to spend eternity with him. And at the end of the day, all that matters, no matter what the enemy says, no matter what he does, he cannot take away what God has done, what God is doing, what is in store because of the provision that was made by his sacrifice on the cross in the way of salvation. And because of that, your life, no matter what you face, is always secure and you will always be victorious. Oh, I'm sorry. I guess I'm the only person that really appreciates that right now. The enemy can't do anything. He cannot do anything. Look at your neighbor right now, just because I, I know it's the middle of August and we're gearing up, and some of you are going, dude, man, I just probably woke up at like 9.59 and rolled in here. You know, here we go. Look at your neighbor says, he can't do anything. Come on, do it. He can't do anything. He can whisper. He can maneuver. He can tempt. He can do all of those kinds of things. He can accuse. He can manipulate. He can do whatever he wants in that side of things. But what he cannot do is he cannot take away the work of salvation inside of your life because you don't own it. God does. And it is more secure than you realize. And it's the reason why God says, I want you to go back to the cross. Because the cross points out one thing and one thing that in the, in the, most, the most important moment of history, I won. And I conquered sin and death. And there's nothing on this side of eternity, there's nothing on earth or outside of earth that I have not overcome. And because I'm victorious and because you are mine and I've given you salvation, it's not something that you've earned. It's not something that you can gain except reach out and take it because it's this beautiful gift, the most incredible gift that you can have. It's yours and the enemy can never take it from you. You can give it up, but you can never have it robbed from you. Ever. And that means, and this is what God put on my heart, when I was victorious then, I'm victorious now. I'm victorious in your situation already. He can lie to you and tell you, man, I'm going to rob you, I'm going to defeat you, I'm going to do whatever. He can't do anything. He can just throw. He, listen, man, he's just throwing punches. Because he knows God's already given the final shot. It's over. Do you know, I was, uh, I, I don't know how many of you guys are on Spotify or iTunes or how you, much you follow, um, you know, uh, worship um, bands that are out there. And uh, I do. I'm always looking for new music and, and whatever. And then I noticed the other day that Elevation Church just came out with a new song called uh, see a victory is the name of it that it's called. See, meaning I see a victory. Can I just read to you, and, and Karen, you can come because I'm going to end with this. The song, See a Victory, the lines go like this. The weapon may be formed. See, just, just, this is the nuance of scripture. I love this. 
right? Because a lot of times when we look at the weapon, we, th- we have a moment where we wonder, is it going to be successful? But the word of God says, hold on a second. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper because the scripture says that it won't. Remember I said to you a couple of weeks ago before I went on vacation that when God says stop doing something, it's not a suggestion. It's a choice. And it's a matter of submitting or, can I just say this, aligning your reality to the truth of God's word. It's a shift. I remember the first time hearing that line in the song. Man, I got goosebumps. I was like, dude, I can't wait for this, man. So I turned it up even more. And I know, if you ever see me in the, if you ever see me driving around Waterdown in Flamborough, two things you're gonna see, me bopping my head and acting as if I got a big subwoofer in the back of my car. My poor speakers are shot. Because I just got a cranked. I don't care what anybody says or sees. I don't. In fact, to be honest with you, I have more moments in my car like David did when he was bringing the uh, Ark of the Covenant into town and his wife got all upset because she's like, hey, David, you look ridiculous. Like, this is embarrassing. You're supposed to be this king. And he's like, listen, if you think this is bad, I can be even more undignified than this. Let's go. Especially when my kids are in the car, man. I just crank it up. Or even when Cora's in the car, I crank it up just to embarrass them. I'm like, yeah, dude. Let's get the windows down, man. Let's just have a dance party right here. Because, and listen, it's not because I'm just trying to be stupid or silly. I'm doing it because, man, there's something about, there's something, there's something, there's something about the Word of God. There's something about worship. There's something about singing it. There's something that happens in the supernatural. There's something that happens inside your spirit. There's something, listen, I want to tell you something. You want to know why I challenge you a little bit in worship? Why I'm challenging our worship teams to, to hey, listen, take your time? Because there's something that happens in the encounter of God through the avenue of worship. It's not the only one, but man, I'll tell you, it gets so good. And I listened to that song, and it's like, and I was thinking about it again last night, so I had to turn it on while I was writing down the words, and I'm, you know, I'm here, I'm in the couch, I'm on the couch, I got my headphones on, and, you know, and guaranteed Abby's looking and going, okay, what's going on with dad? Is he, like, having a convulsion right now? Like, should I go tell mom, you know, whatever? And, uh, and I started singing it. Next line says, when the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Because the God that I serve knows only how to triumph. He's never failed. And salvation is the ultimate sign of that. And it's yours. And that means that it may not turn out how you look, what it looks like to you, but trust me, when it comes to the will of God, when it comes to your life, regardless of how it pans out, you understand God will in some way, shape, or form be victorious in what you are facing. Therefore, you will be victorious because he does not know how to fail. He only knows how to triumph. That is, that is his 
That is his game. He doesn't know what it's like not to succeed because he's God. He's perfect. And I've already conquered sin and death. I've conquered the, the, the strongest strongholds, the most final thing that any human being could ever face, death. I've conquered sin and death. I've conquered its ability to destroy your life. I've freed you. I've restored you. I've redeemed you. I've rescued you. I call you mine. I bought you with a price. You belong to God. You're a child of God. Somebody, somebody needs to hear that today. You're a child of God. You're not going to lose. You're not going to lose. And it might take, listen, you might be my scenario. It might take eight years, but you're not going to lose. Somebody give me some response before I look like an idiot jumping up and down on my seats. I love this. There's power in the mighty name of Jesus. Every war he wages, he will win. And I'm not backing down from any giant because I know how this story ends. Yes, I know how the story ends. My God will never fail. My God will never fail. And when you daily put on the helmet of salvation it is a signature a reminder to say to you in the same way that i was victorious on the cross what you face i'm going to be victorious through you and it's a reminder to the enemy that when he sees your helmets when he sees that you're embracing and grasping and holding on to the very foundation of your faith which is salvation in Christ Jesus and through his ability he begins to remember that I was made a public spectacle I was embarrassed by that act and I'm gonna tell you right now yes the reason why he tries to get your focus off of God and onto you is because he knows that when you begin to put your focus on the cross it's gonna remind him and I'm gonna tell you right now the very name of Jesus makes Satan and all of of the principalities and powers of this dark world begin to tremble because when he walks inside the room everything begins to change what about the demons that encountered Jesus right they got freaked out they didn't want to be near him and he casted them out in the middle of a storm He's sleeping. Why? Because I'm God. And he lives in you. And he takes up residence inside of you. And he's going to conquer. Just like he did on that day on the cross. Just like when he walked out of that tomb. And out of that grave, he's not there. It's a sign of victory. He said, wear victory, take it, put it on. It wasn't given to you. It was, I'm sorry, it was given to you. It wasn't something you built. Because whatever you and I build, whatever we do in our strength, man, it is imperfect and it doesn't have the ability to stand. But the work of God through the cross wasn't just for that moment. That was the revelation that God put on my heart yesterday wasn't just for that moment. I conquered then, I'm going to conquer now. And I hope today that stirs your heart.
every time, just remember, you're saved. That means you're redeemed. That means you're rescued. That means, yes, you might be in the process of working out your salvation, but all of us are. That doesn't mean anything. I, I, can I just read this for those of you that are a little, you know, as far as the whole salvation thing? I love, you know, Romans chapter 10, and I'll end with this. I don't even know if I have it up on the screen. I can't remember, but it says this, verse 9. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. Not a feeling. It's a truth and a choice. Now, the working out of your salvation is walking in submission to that, daily repentance, daily life of surrender, daily life of commitment, but you're not working for your salvation. Those are the avenues that God does to work out your salvation. And the more you work out your salvation, trust me, your commitment to the Lord will deepen, not because of things that you know he's doing, because you're starting to realize, man, God, I can't believe how much you love me, how much I'm valued. For it is by believing in your heart that you made, that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. For as the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. That they have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved ask believe and confess that's how i got taught it's as simple as abc and the moment you do that the moment that the victory of the cross enters inside your life and now because of that and listen i can point other scriptures we just don't have time that he has made you an overcomer why because of what he did on the cross would you stand with me all over this place You know, I want to do two things today. I'm going to have everyone just close your eyes if you could do me a favor or bow your head. Just don't look around. I just want this to be a private moment for everybody. Whether you're a part of community or this is your first time here today. And we're so glad that you're here because, not because we're here, not because of anything that we're doing, except we hope that today that you've encountered Jesus because that's what matters. That's why we're here. First Thessalonians says that the helmet of salvation is referred to hope, meaning it's what I trust, it's what I delight in. The New Living Translation says that it's the salvation that I have confidence. It's because of salvation that I have confidence. There's hope in Jesus. We may not understand everything. But may you look at your salvation, not at your situation. So if you're here this morning and you're going, Pastor Craig, man, I've had a battle with something, man. The enemy's made me question. He's, he's got me to wonder. He's got me to doubt or whatever it might be. Would you just take a moment right now and just slip a hand towards heaven? And would you just say, but Jesus, I choose to trust in you right now. Go ahead. Just all over this place. Man, just make that. Yeah, there you go. No one's looking around. Just you and Jesus and me. Here's the other thing I want to throw out today, because we're going to pray for you. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, 
But after hearing what I've just shared and you're going, man, there's something about that that I want. I want to give you an opportunity today. I think it's important that we give an opportunity because listen, Jesus made the only way to get to the Father, meaning the only way to spend eternity with God, to walk in that relationship, is to do what Romans says, that when you ask him into your life, when you believe that he is the Son of God and that he died and rose again, and when you make that confession and confess your sins and repent, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And yes, God is a good God, and yes, God is a loving God, and yes, God is a gracious God, but we have to take that step in order to walk in that real deep relationship and spend eternity with him. And if you're here today and you're saying, hey, Pastor Craig, I want to give my life to Jesus without anybody looking around. I know this is crazy. Would you just slip a hand really quickly towards me so that I can see it? Yep. Is there anybody else? Okay. I'm just going to pray for the person that... Uh, just raise their hand. I'm going to ask everyone that's in the room that has a relationship with Jesus to repeat this prayer after me. You may not be familiar with this. This is maybe a, a traditional evangelical thing. I don't think it's just a Pentecostal thing. I think it's an evangelical thing, you know, just to, to walk that out. But would you just pray with me? Indulge me for a moment. Would you repeat after me? Dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. I repent of my sins and receive your forgiveness. I know that you are the Son of God and you died for me. But I'm raised to new life because of that moment. Am I asking you to come into my life? In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening in to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on all social media to stay updated with everything Community Church. Also check us out at www.communitychurch.ca.